Well, hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another edition of the EKN Debrief. It's episode number 64, Tuesday, February the 25th. Myself, Rob Howden, along with David Cole, will review the event we were at last weekend, the Rock Cup USA Challenge of the Americas Race, rounds three and four at Cal Speed Carding in Fontana, California. Lots to talk about on this edition of the debrief. The racing was wild. It was, uh, Cal Speed always kind of lends itself to some tremendous racing, and we got that for sure. Had a couple of issues with some ambulance runs for the first time in a number of years on the challenge. That put us off schedule a little bit. Threat of rain, a little bit of rain on Saturday. A lot of stuff to make it an intriguing weekend, all told. This edition of the EKN Debrief is being presented by Acceleration Kart Racing. Acceleration Kart Racing has everything you need to go racing, from tires to helmets. They have a great website for you to order from and kart racers ready to pick up the phone and answer your questions six days a week. With over 20 years of karting, uh, kart racing under their belts, Acceleration Kart Racing has the experience to help you succeed on the track. You can rely on them to get the parts you need when you need them. Make Acceleration Kart Racing your go-to source for everything karting. All right, David Cole, let's jump into this bad boy. Uh, overall, uh, a solid weekend at Cal Speed. You know, we uh, going in when we did the outlap, it looked like it was going to be great weather. Then a, a cell of, of rain formed off on the in the Pacific, and it kind of was tracking to come in. Uh, it, it made things really interesting, that's for sure. It was a very unique and interesting weekend. I think, yeah. you know, going into the weekend, I think the focal point uh, and the positive is it was a record-breaking event. Uh, we'll, yeah. we'll dive a little bit more in, into the numbers, but to to set that mark of 141 entries to uh, to be the biggest event for Challenge of the Americas in 13 seasons, um, I think that says a lot about uh, what Andy Saisman and his crew has been able to do over those 13 seasons of of the ups and downs of of the sport of karting, the economy. Um, the industry, the way things shake up and, 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 and just the fact that they're, they're able to be on, on the upward swing of, of something right now. Yeah, there's David, you're right. There's that baseline, uh, of the challenge of the Americas that comes from the, the staff, the experienced staff, uh, you know, they're just, they're just great people, right? Bottom line is they're great people. And, they, and that's the way they, they treat all the racers as, as customers and friends. And uh, it's just a great atmosphere there for sure. But like you said, the challenge most definitely on the upswing right now. Uh, of course, Andy making the move to the Rock program from Rotax a couple of years ago. And now we're into the third year with the Rock. Midway through the 13th season of the program. Uh, and, and yeah, they, there's definitely momentum there. They'll hopefully build that off into the California Rock Championship throughout the year. And then, of course, the 2021 uh, challenge next January. We look forward to seeing if that can kind of springboard, you know, step up to the point where they're not launching with 101. We're launching with 140. That'll be the, the call for 2020 or 2021. David, the eighth visit for the program to Cal Speed running the uh, the Grande Circuit counterclockwise. Uh, what, one, two, three, four, five, probably six passing opportunities, you think, on that racetrack? Uh, one, yeah, one, I mean, two, three, yeah. four, two, three, four, five, seven, seven, six, <laughs> seven. I mean, there's, there's many, again, racing, yeah, racing prov- opens up doors sometimes that uh, you typically wouldn't see when you're just looking at the racetrack, uh, sure. different categories race the racetrack differently than, than other categories. So yeah, again, uh, a lot of the racetracks that we do go to, a lot of passing opportunities, Grande, uh, a very, 
utilized uh, circuit uh, in the multi configuration that is Cal Speed karting. Cart, uh, yeah, it's it, it it has elevation change. That's that's again something that you don't think of when you're talking about a parking lot race uh, racetrack. Uh, so that adds a little bit element to it, and uh, and yeah, it uh, it was good racing overall, uh, clean racing. Uh, a few penalties here and there, some pushback bumper penalties here and there, but uh, really, I think the 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 main thing, other than the uh, the overall racing, was was the uh, the delays we had. I think that's really yeah. the only only negative we had on on the whole weekend. Well, I know Andy was kind of taken aback by a little bit because it had been like four years, I think, since they had had a red flag and ambulance run. And Cal Speed's not a place where the ambulance run works well. It's so expensive to get the ambulance there. I think it's $1,500 a day or something like that. So they have the one ambulance there, as, as any program does, has an ambulance track side. But uh, the rules for the track, of course, Cal Speed Karting on the same, it's owned by, or there's the facility, that the track itself, the, the property owned by uh, the Auto Club Speedway, right? The NASCAR program. So they have a couple of their own rules. If somebody gets hurt and requires an ambulance around, that ambulance has to go to the hospital and wait for that that person to get admitted, get, you know, everything gets handled before they kind of turn them over to the hospital, then they come back. So it's common thought, David, that that essentially an, annual, an ambulance run means the track is going to be down for an hour. And the only way to fix that is to have two ambulances. You're adding another $4,500 on to uh, the budget, which again, that, that's that got to go to the, the racers have to pay that. They have to absorb it. And you know what? If there was 250 drivers, well, it's pretty easy to put it. It's not pretty easy, but you can justify putting another $4,500 into your budget for the race weekend. It's tough to do when you have a 95 or whatever it may be. Now, this record number kind of came in late, uh, but still, that's a, that's a lot of that's a lot of dough to be able to, to do that. And, and in having that particular deal this, this weekend, we actually ended up having three ambulance runs. Uh, and it pushed us to the point where we got so late on Saturday that three of the main events had to get run on Sunday morning. That addition to the Sunday morning pushed us late in the race again, late in the day on Sunday. We had an incident in the micro and mini category that, that re- required another run to the, the, the hospital with the ambulance. Now, thankfully, David, everybody was okay. Uh, but, you know, we did the podiums for the first, what, six classes or whatever it was, and then it was, okay, shifters and 100C seniors, it's sunset. What do you guys want to do? Do you want to, do you want to run some main events at, at, at uh, Sonoma on the Friday, or do we cut the races and run in the dark? Well, we <laughs> – the 100cc senior, David, it was decent. It was like essentially right at sunset. But, man, those those shifter car guys, they went they went deep into the essentially darkness at the end. Well, that was the one thing we kept cluing on was what was the time of the sunset? Because when the sun, the time the sunset goes is is scheduled for, you still have that that buffer zone uh, before it gets completely dark of, yeah. of sunlight, thankfully, because there were no clouds in the sky. Now, if there were clouds in the sky, I guaranteed we would not have been able to get that race in. Um, It would have been way too dark because as it was on lap 10, uh, it was very, very hard to see. I'm surprised even the uh, the uh, the racers were able to see the checkered flag. Thankfully, it's white in there and not (laughs) not, you know, not all black or some uh, some other dark color. So uh, they were able to see that. And again, they drove smart. Um, Nothing too crazy. Again, drive. Drivers kind of slotted into position, and and again, it was basically a qualifying session because it was only ten laps. So it was yeah. go as hard as you could, as safe as you could, and and guys were still again pushing it to the limit. Um, but to but to be able to to handle the uh, 
the conditions that it was in was was very stellar for all those drivers involved, including the senior 100cc category as well. Uh, but yeah, just uh, again, as you said, thankfully no drivers were were seriously injured um, in the three transports that uh, that were taken. And um, we'll we'll talk a little bit more in the wrap up about thoughts on on that uh, situation. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Weather wise, as we as we give you the overview of rounds three and four of the Challenge of the Americas here on episode sixty four of the EKN debrief. Uh, Friday was absolutely perfect. 79 degrees and sunny. I know that for you and I, David, it was pretty much an 80 degree swing. When I left my place and got in the car to go to the airport at 3.30 in the morning on Thursday morning, it was uh, it was zero degrees Fahrenheit at home. So uh, the 80 degree swing felt pretty good. Uh, as we said, when we did the outlap, it looked, uh, our preview podcast, it looked like we were going to have a pretty good weekend. Well, then the, the forecast, of course, we did that on the Monday. The forecast started to evolve a little more, and rain that was expected to come actually on Saturday was actually just spotty, David. It didn't it didn't pour hard. We had we had rain come. It messed a bit with the main event for the uh, for the master shifter drivers that spilled over into a drying track that kind of that kind of changed the way uh, things went with the Rock Senior. We can talk more about that later. And then that sunny sun that we expect to come back on Sunday actually didn't come to the very, very end of the day. Did we, we had, it rained overnight and we had a wet track in the morning as well on Sunday. Yeah. I think for the most part, uh, going into the weekend, we thought we were going to have a full day of wet. Yeah. Uh, we didn't get that. So that was good. Um, and as you said, people, people were bracing for it. That's for sure. Oh yeah. We got, we were getting ready for it all day Saturday and never really came. We had a little bit of a, of a sprinkle come down. It soaked the racetrack for, for one of the main events and, and, and provided some drama for, another right after that. And again, as you said, Sunday was was where we had a lot of the, the wet track because it rained overnight. And and the uh, the Saturday events uh, that got moved over to Sunday were began on wet and then ended in dry. And then it was dry the rest of the weekend. So uh, overall, a, a solid weather weekend for what was forecasted. Yeah, no doubt about that. All in all, an overall, a great weekend, like you said, which the racing was tremendous. Let's jump into the by the numbers, which we do each uh, edition of our uh, of our podcast here, the, the debrief podcast. 107 entries for Tucson. We bump up to 141. Uh, the new record is, as David, you already mentioned for for the, the challenge. Cal, we were expecting the Cal Speed bump, and I think that you and I were both like, okay, 107 at Tucson. You know what? 10% growth. Let's go maybe 125. We get 125. Hey, you know what? Then we can maybe think about that record of 133. Well, man, they just we kind of blew right by it. We were 137 pre-entries on Thursday by the time we had some walk-up on Thursday. And it's almost, David, like that that pre-entry, the excitement of those pre-entries kind of jumped some more guys getting them going, and we ended up at 141, which was fantastic. Actually, there was actually 143, I think. A couple of guys entered and didn't run. Uh, you know, Ron Eubanks being one of them popped some ribs uh, after practice on Friday, so he wasn't able to race. He tuned for Tommy Contino instead. We probably could have had 142, 143. Well, I think I think having that base of Los Angeles, a lot of racers there, a lot of racers wanting to race, uh, that helps provide that bump. As we talked about Tucson, not having a local contingent, uh, it's hard to bring that bring a bump from just, just the regular series regulars that we have. So uh, again, across the board, we had either the same or more entries uh, than we did in Tucson. So again, a positive move in the right direction. Uh, Sonoma is going to have that that same type of uh, scenario where we're going to have we're going to have more entries in Tucson. It's a matter of if we can get as many local drivers to come out uh, in Sonoma as what we had in Cal Speed. 
Uh, if you look at some of the numbers, uh, you know, we had talked about the weak link in Tucson. We're kind of that mini and micro group. With, with They only had seven drivers in total. 14 this time. We added one micro driver and we added six mini rocks. So I ended up with... Uh, Ended up with the 10 in the mini rock, exactly the same 16 drivers, not the same ones, but the same total of 16 drivers for junior. A good, Dave, good to see the bump in the senior rock category up to 14 as well. You know, that single digit nine in Tucson, in fact, only eight actually raced at Tucson. We ended up going to 14. That, that I looked at that as being one of the big positives, I think, this weekend. Well, I think it was all one team with uh, Nash Motorsports bringing, I believe, four or five drivers uh, to the event uh, with the Ports and Brienza and and a couple other drivers joining the fight as well. So uh, that that was a good bump. And I think you'll see that again because there's a, a lot of senior contingent uh, in Northern California. So we'll uh, hopefully keep uh, in double digits in that category. You know, we talked a lot about it throughout the weekend on the EKN broadcast, the Trackside Live broadcast, that uh we talk about 141 drivers, man, this is awesome, brand new record. But we always, I always at least kind of added in the same fact that we had, I think, a 1.51 drivers in shifter. And that's, you know, that's right now one of the big shining lights for the, the challenge program is that they've developed such a great shifter program. 27 in the senior rock class, 22 in masters rock. It ends up being 49 drivers who ran, but as I said, a couple of drivers uh, didn't, didn't end up running. Ron Eubanks being one of them, I, top of my mind, I can't think of the other driver. There were 51 entered, entered at one point. Uh, but Dave, the, the, the rock, the rock shifter stuff was fun to watch. It was just a lot of guys out there hammering down. The racing was tremendous in both categories and, uh, and we got some different winners too, which is cool. Yeah. The, the, it's, it's always good to see shifter cart racing, uh, grow in numbers because, you know, we've had uh, a little bit, uh, of some, some, you know, uncertainty uh late in the recent years so uh uh the rock shifter program is certainly soaring uh as we said with uh the florida winter tour i believe they had uh 55 uh between the two categories in at the florida winter tour so the challenge almost matching that number just again shows you so there's over 100 shifter cart drivers alone right there uh in the country uh, and then you add the many more that are in different regions around the country and up in Canada as well. So uh, uh, shifter cart, shifter cart racing is still there. It's just getting everybody to the racetrack. Yeah, it's it's a challenge right now. You know, we 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 went for essentially 25 years with that Honda CR125. You know, back in the mid 90s, uh, the, the Honda CR125 was kind of the shifter engine of choice. But you know, guys like Alan Rudolph were on the on the Yamaha. At one point, Kawasaki came in with a full team deal. We had the we had the Kawasaki Team Green trailer. You know, they had a bunch of Kawasaki's. We had. There was guys on the Suzuki RM80s back in the day too. Uh, in the '90s, Husky Husqvarna came in for a bit with Champion Racing, but it was 25 years, David, with that with that CR125. People can lament the fact of whatever that program ended up being under the stock Honda program, but you know, parts parts began to get uh, hard to source. And the bottom line is, there was an evolution was coming. We all knew that it was there was going to be some kind of an evolution. It's and it was it hasn't been easy. Scusa brought the 175 out with their their you know their concept of of having a, a, a beefy motor that they could run at 60% capacity to, to keep the longevity. Rock, of course, had the shifter in their program. Miami has a shifter in their, their program as well. And we're 
we're man, we're just in an we're in an evolution right now, and it'll eventually settle in. And of course, with this Rock Cup program, it's settling in nicely. They're getting great numbers in the shifter program. Last but not least, as as we look at by the numbers, David, uh, I think another one of the big highlights last year. Uncle Jimmy Gregory was the only guy out there for the first two races in hundred cc Masters. Myself, Calvin Chen. Uh, and another driver joined, Craig, Craig Yeski joined at uh, at Sonoma to have four. But dude, double digits this particular weekend. They had seven in Tucson, 10 this time uh, at Cal Speed. I love the, I think the 100cc program is great for Masters drivers, a little easier on the body uh, than the rock shift of the GP engine. Uh, I like it. 10 guys in the category. I hope, I hope we see it keep growing. I think you will because again, it 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 calls to regional drivers, not those uh, Billy Cleveland's or Derek Wang's or uh, or the many of the other uh, national ranked Masters drivers that we we typically see. Um, it just yeah, it draws to regional racers, so it provides them the opportunity to come in and and race at the uh, national or international level, and and yet to have that growth uh, certainly helps, and it was it provided some great racing as well too. Yeah, indeed. All right, folks, we're getting things underway. Let's go up to our first break here on the EKN Debrief. Of course, uh, it's an opportunity for us to, to dive into this uh, Rock Cup USA Challenge of the Americas event that David and I attended last week in Fontana, California. It was great to get out there with the, the Coda family as well. I smashed some burgers on Friday night. That was a ton of fun as well. Uh, bottom line now is when we get back after this break, time to jump into the paddock pass. We've got a couple of things to talk about. Not on track, but stuff that happened in the paddock itself. Stay with us, folks. More to come here on the EKN Radio Network. <music> 2019 was a great year, no question. But the off-season is here, and I know that your mind is already thinking about next season. We all want to get better and improve our skills and our racecraft. And maybe you're tired of missing the podium or even the championship. So what do you do? Here's what I think. Take a breather from throwing money at the newest speed secret and a new chassis you don't quite need yet. Invest in yourself. Take yourself to the next level as a driver. If you want to improve your results, do what every athlete does, regardless of the sport. Get professional coaching. And in karting, there's only one choice. The Alan Rudolph Racing Academy, located at the state-of-the-art Speed Sports Racing Park in Houston. Alan Rudolph is a legend in our sport, and he's been a coach for over 15 years. The Al Rudolph Racing Academy offers custom coaching programs for newcomers and experienced racers alike. Train with a champion with over 30 years of racing experience to get proven results. Get ready for 2020 by calling 866-607-7223 or head to speedsportsracingpark.com to learn more. Acceleration Kart Racing is your first and only stop on the internet for carts, parts, and safety gear to get you on the track. ShopAKRA.com offers a great selection of karting equipment on a user-friendly website. Acceleration Kart Racing has aligned itself with many of the top manufacturers and distributors in the sport to ensure that all the latest equipment is available to you, the consumer. With customer support available six days a week, you can be confident about getting the right parts at the right price. Be sure to visit shopakra.com today or stop by their headquarters in Las Vegas. Also, follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for the latest specials, clearance items, and new products. All 
Welcome back to the EKN Radio Network, episode number 64 of the EKN Debrief, Tuesday, February the 25th. Time to jump into the Paddock Pass right now, brought to you by Stilo USA. As a world leader in personal racing safety products, Simpson Performance Products is now the official North American distributor for Stilo helmets. In addition to their popular auto racing helmets, Stilo is excited to have made their move into karting. Stilo has two helmets designed and manufactured specifically for karting. The ST5 CMR 2016 for kids and the ST5 Kart Snell K 2015 adult karting helmet. For more information, check them out at www.simpsonperformanceproducts.com slash Stilo or by following them on social media at Stilo USA. All right, David, paddock pass time. We'll talk about some of the cool stuff that you and I saw from the time you got into the gate till we got into the booth uh, at our trackside location, Cooper Tire Broadcast Center. Bottom line is this. Uh, we probably should have asked Andy Saisman for some kind of VIP parking. Uh <laughs> because I think you and I probably got about 2000 steps in on the old iWatch walking from the, where we had to park, because of course we don't, we don't arrive at seven o'clock in the morning. Like the guys have to be on track at seven 30. We roll a little later than that. Dude, we were all the way down like NASCAR. We were almost on the back straightaway of auto club speedway, how far, far away we had to park. That paddock was packed. When you, when you get the record numbers, you're going to have a full paddock and, and that's kind of what happened. Again, parking is a uh, very slim, uh, area it's not like a big field uh like at other facilities you have so you you only have a couple rows you got to go through you actually have to walk uh around like you said that turn nascar turns three and four and, and we were essentially parked in nascar turn three uh, and had to walk all the way down towards uh nascar turn four where the uh the grid is and everybody is set up so uh it's uh yeah it was a full house certainly uh for the for the weekend uh, lots of uh, lots of haulers, lots of cars, lots of people, uh, and and even spectators, people from uh, from the area, not racing, yeah. but uh, people filling up uh, the grandstands that were there uh, pit side. Yeah, no doubt about that. You know, one of the interesting things, David, when when we call these races, and we're kind of when we're you know you and I are, are trying to. We always try to put the chassis names in our race reports so that it helps the the industry, whatever it may be. One of the things I th- we see a lot of OTK product wherever we go, right? There's Tony Karts, there's Cosmics, Spree, Red Speed, FA, whatever it may be. The two contrasting ones I thought were really, really interesting. There was only six OTK carts in 100C Senior. Stark contrast to Rock Junior, which was 80% OTK, with 13 OTKs and only three other brands in Rock Junior in ITAL Course, VME, and Comp Cart. It was interesting to see in that 100cc so many different carts, right? You had the Comp Carts, you had the VMEs in that in the middle of that fight. There was a lot of different chassis. I, th- I thought the chassis the chassis spectrum was really balanced, all, all told among, among all the categories. I think that's kind of a general consensus with the the lower horsepower uh, categories. Is is a lot of the different? It's a it's a more diverse uh, chassis brand uh, a chassis area with with the lower horsepower. You get more brands that uh, just you know it, it kind of levels out the playing field. I, I you know not to not to be rude to all the other brands, but uh, you know OTK is is primarily one of the world most world renowned chassis brands. Yeah. Uh, that we know of, and one of the more popular ones, as we know, it's it's one I believe the Arc Constructors Championship for the last what nine years yeah. that uh, we've been doing it when we review uh, major events over the season. Uh, so it's you know it's again there's many 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 OTK carts ac- around the world. 
And uh, it again, I think the lower horsepower uh, categories provide that opportunity for a more diverse field regarding chassis brands. Uh, kind of it, again, it's more of a level playing field. Not everything. I, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not very technical on it. I don't know why it is, but uh, it just came, kind of seems that way because we see it in Briggs. You see a lot of different, different chassis brands uh, be successful in the Briggs categories. Uh, and you go back to the Yamaha days. Uh, a lot of different brands were successful in that as well too. So uh, uh, there's no clear cut uh, chassis. I think that leads the way in uh, the 100 cc uh, field. Yeah, I think a lot of it comes down to driver as well. That's the big thing too, right? In those in the lower horsepower categories. In that senior class, uh, a Praga for Oliver Cavo, uh, the GFC for Eddie Shimon, Mike Hendricks on an Illuminos, Alex Saragusa, Jackson Dunn on comp carts, uh, Colby Dubato on a Ricardo, a lot of different chassis for sure. And the same goes for... Uh, actually, in the in the senior shifter cl- class as well, man, it was you know all GFC and Burrell essentially up front. Uh, we'll talk more about that a little later. Another part of the paddock pass I thought was interesting, Dave, as you go down through the order, right? We had three different multi-driver families actually as part of the action. We don't see a lot of that, but uh, yeah, three different families having multiple drivers at the challenge. Yeah, karting is a family sport. Uh, what yeah. better way than to do it with uh, your siblings? Or, you know, say father-son duos racing together or or father-daughters. or Again, you see that with, with uh, dad being the mechanic and, and the uh, son or daughter racing. Uh, so, so there, again, families, karting is a family sport. It's great to see them, uh, a lot of it together. And, again, overall, karting is a big family. Uh, you know, yeah, we may not be blood-related, but, again, we're there looking out for each other again, you know, it, in certain situations, you know, people step up to help up. We've talked about that uh, in the past uh, with a lot of different charities and the GoFundMes and stuff like that. So uh, carding is a big family and it, and it's cool. And it, it's interesting to see how siblings do race against each other though, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, no doubt. Uh, Hallie and Cole Schroeder, uh, Edward and Jonathan Ports and the Castles family, Kyle, Aaron, Sydney, and Ryan all racing. Uh, at, at the event at Fontana, which I thought was tremendous. Uh, and it was interesting with, with Haley and, and Cole Schroeder. I think he, I think she was quicker in the junior rock, and he was faster in the 100cc junior, I think. I think, no, that's I the think way it was the other way around. Was it the other way around? Are I you sure? the other way around. All right. Well, I'll, 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 you're the one that put the results in all weekend don't, long, so I'll Don't, uh, I'll, don't, I'll don't forget to uh, uh, Cameron Castles, who I believe is the father of all that's the right, other yeah. castles. So, so yep. you had father racing all the, his – I don't know if all the children are racing, but there's there's four of them racing uh, and then mom's watching over everybody. And then the whole rest of the team with um, uh, uh, Redlands and, and Joey Guion there uh, overseeing the, the race team a little bit. So, uh, yeah, that that that's a that's an interesting uh, dynamic for that tent. Yeah, no doubt about that. One of the other cool bits that we have here to cap off this edition of the Paddock Pass brought to you this particular uh, show by Stilo USA was the debut, the series debut of Catalyst Driver Development. It's a new program uh, with three drivers that we've watched race for the last number of years, Raymond Rossiti, Scott Hargrove, and uh, Stefan Radzinski. Uh, they work with Italkart. They, they ran Italkart when they were younger. Michael Valiante was there with the team as well, so the, t- the chassis on Italkarts. But it's essentially these ex-carters and kind of pro drivers, David, who have they want to get back to karting. They want to get a karting program going. They're coaching all these guys under the Catalyst Driver Development. They had four drivers. Uh, it was just good to see them there. We could see the ITAL card out there doing well. Uh, I, I thought it was a tremendous addition to the paddock, this particular race. 
Yeah, it was a great addition. Uh, brought uh, more numbers into the shifter cart ranks. Uh, again, bringing the ITAL cart uh, in, into the mix uh, with the Challenge of the Americas. I don't think we've ever really seen the ITAL cart uh, be part of the challenge back when it was uh, road sacks, maybe one or two here or there. Yeah. Uh, Calvin Chen brought it, was uh, among the racers uh, racing in Tucson along with uh, Nick DeGraff in the Master 100cc category. So, uh, again, as you as you kind of mentioned earlier about uh, the different brands in, in the in the different categories, you know, you add it, we keep adding brands, uh, to the challenging Americas uh, as we get record numbers. So, uh, more, more entries we get, the more brands, uh, that we have, uh, racing with the program. That's it. All right. Time for Dave and I to start, uh, into the race report. We'll go class by class through and, and kind of talk about what happened on track. What we were able to see from our vantage point up there in turn number 11. Uh, we'll have a quick break folks. We get back. It's time for the race report. 25 years of experience, 25 years of success. Greg Bell and Leading Edge Motorsports are heading into their third decade in the sport with winning momentum and the best material possible. Last year's monumental victories at the Rock the Rio and Scusa Super Nationals have proven what the sport has long known. Greg Bell is one of the finest karting tuners and he and his drivers can get the job done. Looking for a change in equipment? Get on board with Leading Edge Motorsports. Leading Edge is North America's factory team for Formula K and Praga carts, and the new 2020 models are in stock and ready for pickup or shipping to your garage. Do you want to win like Danny Formal did with Leading Edge in Las Vegas? Call Greg Bell today at 209-369-0921 to secure your place on the team. Leading Edge Motorsports will be trackside in 2020 at the Challenge of the Americas, Scusa Pro Tour and California Pro Kart Challenge, Rock Sonoma, and the KPX Karting Championship in NorCal. From Rock to Miami to Briggs, rely on Greg Bell and Leading Edge Motorsports to give you everything you need to step into the winner's circle. Check out leadingedgemotorsports.com to learn more. In racing, experience is priceless. Franklin Motorsports is a leader in the karting industry with over 50 years of combined karting experience, and we can provide you with everything you need to go racing. With a large online product selection, select track support events, and a wide variety of shop services, Franklin Motorsports is your complete karting source. Check out our online store at franklincart.com, where all our products are just a mouse click away. We ship daily to ensure that you get your order as quickly as possible and we are constantly adding new products to our online store. We specialize in IAMI engines, tillet seats, ceramic product line, OTK products, Briggs and Stratton engines, and of course, our championship winning Merlin chassis. In our online store, you'll find a variety of items to fit your karting needs. Franklin Motorsports is also known for our wide variety of services and is home to Innovative Engine Works by FMS our in-house engine service department. Frame straightening, cart prep, and dyno testing are all services offered regularly at Franklin Motorsports. For all things karting, visit franklincart.com. Welcome back to the EKN Radio Network, episode 64 of the EKN Debrief. It's Tuesday, February the 25th. Uh, David Cole and I are probably, this, no, it's not. It's now Thursday, February the 27th. I got to get there that right. You got to fix that. 
That's I gotta fix that. I'll do that right now. A little scratchy scratch. Let me just do that right now. Hold on. Twenty seventh. <laughs> just get this right, Rob. Well, you weren't right. you weren't feeling good the other day, so we, Dude, we I was out of it. it. Yeah, uh, I was out of it. We we just you know it gets a little bit busier uh, now that uh, we're traveling to different races and different uh, areas. It's uh, it's not something we can always do the next day when we get home. That's true, because you, sometimes you're just out of gas, and I was out of gas. All right, let's jump into the race report here, guys. This is going to be presented today by The Road to Indy, presented by Cooper Tires. If the dream is IndyCar, set your target on The Road to Indy, presented by Cooper Tires. This unparalleled ladder system is designed to take drivers through three rungs of competition, beginning with USF 2000 and progressing through Indy Pro 2000 into Indy Lights. Along the way, each series champion receives a scholarship to race at the next level. If you want to race IndyCar, there is only one choice. The Road to Indy, presented by Cooper Tires. All right, David, let's get started. Uh, first and foremost, let's jump right in with the senior, uh, the shifter senior rock category. Um, one of the, I think one of the, the cool highlights this year has been this uh, emergence arrival of Cole Shade. Uh, of course, he, he kind of uh, running P2 under the tent, you know, to Hunter Pickett, who was kind of the badass at Tucson, do- dominated things. Uh, but David Cole off, out to a really, really strong start, qualified on the pole on Saturday. Uh, Race Liberante ended up winning the pre-final. But uh, Cole Shade, I think we're going to be talking a lot about him this year. Well, first of all, he's got a great name. I love you like that. that dude. I love that first name. Ironically, that's my wife's favorite first name. Uh, she couldn't exactly call our son Cole Cole. Uh, <laughs> would have been a little weird on that. Uh, but, uh, uh, yes, uh, emerging star, as you said, um, working with, uh, Gary Carlton, obviously one of the top shifter cart drivers we've ever had here in the United States, uh, on the GFC brand. Uh, thankfully, you know, he has, there's numbers under the tent and when you get guys working together as well as they're, what they're doing, uh, with Hunter Pickett leading the way in Tucson, them doing a lot of testing. They tested at Cal speed. So they came into the weekend ready to go. And, and again, the GFC was still one of the quickest uh, carts on the racetrack. And, uh, and again, shade, uh, taking advantage of that, uh, uh, that, that teamwork and dynamic to, uh, to come out, uh, out of the gates as a, as a quickest driver and qualifying on Saturday. As I said, Race Liberante won the pre-final, and in the main event on Saturday, he led the first half. He he was full defensive. Let's put it that way. He was kind of stacking everybody up behind him, as you would expect. The cart was not set up to be fast during the first half, and, and which was to race. again Saturday or Sunday morning because uh, yeah, true enough. Yeah, true enough. Yeah, true enough. What <laughs> he was pushed over because it was the last. It was supposed to be the last race of the day on Saturday. We got pushed, so it was Sunday morning. Uh, but but race looked good, David. He was running the defensive line. Just wait. He told me that he was just waiting for the cart to come in, and then an issue sucks up. I think a piece of plastic into the into one of the into the carb, uh, into the the needle and seat, and he was out halfway through. Uh, it was tough to watch him, man, because it was lap ten. The cart was just getting ready, and you could just I could when he pulled off coming out of one, you could see that you see how dejected he was because he was leading. It was just starting to get roll get rolling. He was he I think he figured he had the win. At that point, he goes off, and, and Jake French takes the lead from there. And the track was a bit damp. It still wasn't wet on wet tires uh, because the race before that, Senior 100cc, went from wet tires being quick to dry dry tires being quick, and we'll get into that a little bit more later. 
But uh, when you go to when you went to make a pass, it was still wet in that area. So watching these guys going to turn one, they were they were getting alongside of them, but they would they would slide right past the apex of the corner, and 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 race would just dive back under and uh, re- reclaim the lead on the exit of that of the ter- first turn. And then so everywhere else was still kind of gingerly uh, if you got offline. Uh, so if you tried to make a pass attempt. Uh, it got a little bit, uh, a little bit uh, crazy and a little bit chaotic, uh, even up on top of the hill where uh, where our booth was. So uh, it was, uh, it was a really, you know, again, as you said, he was kind of waiting for for the track to come in, waiting for the cart to come in, and uh, unfortunately had uh, the carb issues that took him out of the race. So Jake French takes over the lead in the Burrell Art Machine, and from from really from there, David kind of just pulled away for the win. He was able to run that that race line and and pull away. Uh, Hunter Pickett had a DNF in the pre-final. He ends up driving up to seventh in the very back of the pack uh, with the fast lap of the race. Uh, Cole Bailey actually was a driver who, who moved his way into second spot. Another another couple of podiums for the GFC brand, Gary Carlton's crew. Cole Bailey in second behind Jake French. Brendan Ruzbarski, tremendous run for Brendan in those tough conditions. He ends up P4. Another top five, David, for William Ferguson, last year's uh, junior champion on, on the challenge. And then Cole Shade, as we said, rounding out the top five. Uh, you're right, though. They were just really really tricky conditions for the guys in the shifter car classes. Yeah. Early on, it was really tricky, uh, but oh. a good, a good first podium for uh Rubarski, uh, getting that first challenge podium. Uh, again, another driver under the GFC uh, driver development program. Uh, again, he's, he's bringing these guys from, from the, the rock Sonoma program and taking them to the challenge and, and finding success really quickly. Yeah. There was a lot of GFCs in the top 10. At one point, I think there was at one point in, my, in that race, I think, I want to say it was like second seven. back to seventh. Yeah, it was seventh. like seven, seven. Yeah. I think there were like seven GFCs in the top ten. In the top ten, yeah, with 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 French out front and and, and holding that spot, but right behind him, he was getting chased big time. You've already mentioned Sunday a little bit, David, and about the fact that because we had the 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 issues with the ambulance getting pushed back, the the shifter guys ran a ten lap race at the end of the day in the darkness. Uh, really, the day belonged to Jake French. He qualified on the pole. He won the pre final. But I think the big thing, David, about that final race, that 10-lapper in the dark, is that with such little light, drivers are obviously going to struggle with their visual cues, you know, your turn-in points, whatever it may be. But then you look at race monitor and realize what Jake French did there. And I know I don't know if it's – it was. I think it's a 52, but he, he was, I think he turned like seven consecutive or eight consecutive 52 fours to finish off that race. He pulled away, ended up getting the win over Hunter Pickett and Cole Shade. But to do what he did, to lay down those consecutive laps, 52-4 after 52-4, in those conditions, to me, machine-like. It was impressive. A machine, yeah, that's a good way of saying it. Yeah, 52-4 was the uh, was a lap time. So you go 52-4 flat on lap three, and then a 4.97, a 4.09, a 4.68, a 4.67, a 4.56, a 4.44, and a 4.31 to, uh, to wrap up the 10-lapper again, as you said. And the crazy part about it was when he got off the track, a couple of people asked him, how are you able to drive that? And he said he was going off the bumps, just remembering where all the bumps were on his turn-in points and exit points. Again, thankfully, the, the the corners had some some white paint on them, so you're able to see uh, the apex areas. Uh, and and you know, unfortunately, some of the barriers are black, so you can't. It's very very tough. So you, you're giving yourself a couple inches here and there, but still, just just again, 
you know, he's got a lot of laps in there from 2019, from the 2019 season being, uh, uh, over there, uh, many, many times throughout the season. So he, he definitely a little bit of home track advantage for him because he knows that track so well, uh, racing in the dark there. But, uh, when you, when you get those consistent lap times and you're fast, that's, that's what you do to be successful. Yeah, Cole Bailey ended up in four spot, Warawan Kamarakul in fifth. Uh, so there was actually four GFCs in the top five there. French, the, the winner on the Burrell, uh, the Burrell Art, then Pickett on the GFC, Shade in the GFC, Bailey on the GFC, and Kamarakul on the GFC as well. Uh, unbelievable. And again, just to put a little emphasis uh, or a little exclamation point to cap it off, Cole Shade actually with the fast lap of the race in the dark there too. So again, he, he's been really impressive out of the gate for me. I, I said, I think we're going to be talking a lot about Cole Shade throughout the 2020 season. Actually, there was, so there was five in the top 10 that finished because Rubarski was seventh. So there you go. Five GFCs in the top 10. Uh, Remo Rossetti was in 10th. So it's Hal Cart there. Tony Cart in ninth with Griffin Liberante in the comp cart in eighth. And uh, Enzo Prevost, sixth in the Formula K. So again, still a diverse field uh you know you got five different brands but one brand earning five of those spots yeah yeah big time uh all right let's move to the shifter masters rock category good field as we said in the masters rock class 22 in total and david it felt like the weekend kind of starting just as we left off right from tucson where kevin woods on the ron white racing crg dominated the opening day he was able to do everything in tucson scoring the win dominated you know round number one comes out of the gate on saturday qualifies on the pole wins the pre-final, but then the rain came in the main event, and that's what made it really interesting. Midway through, Kevin is leading the way. I, th- I think he was leading the way at that point, uh, and the the rain started coming, it, it, and it didn't pour, but it was steady enough that you know they're out there on slicks, and we're not stopping because at the very start of the day, uh, Taylor Jocelyn, the race director, declared it a wet race, so it becomes... Uh, it becomes driver's choice, and if you go slicks, we're not. You know, Andy said. Andy Sazeman said we're not throwing a red flag if it goes slicks. Be, you know, yeah, figure out how way to handle it. Well, David, the rain started coming. We started saw drivers spinning all over the place, right? Because they because it caught them off guard. It, it happened so fast, it caught everybody off guard. Well, once people realized it was wet, and I think the rain, I think the rain actually stopped potentially by the end of the race. Uh, but then we got to see who was able to handle it, which I thought was really, really interesting. Yeah, it was a lap 11 uh, when it really started to come down. And as you said, Woods was Woods was really in a comfortable position to uh, to score his second victory of the of the uh, of the season so far. Uh, But again, the the tough conditions, rain coming down, everybody on slicks. uh, Woods just continued to slip back. And then Neil Joseph was the driver who uh, who just loves it when it rains at Cal Speed last year, winning in in the actual wet uh, winning uh, last year at the Challenging Americas, and then again this year, just charging his way. So he was sitting in the I'm I'm, I'm trying to find it the fourth spot. So he's kind of there, kind of on the outside of the podium, looking in. And, and the rains came. He was probably doing a rain dance for a little bit in the seat, and it and it opened up, and uh, and uh, with uh, two laps to go, was able to uh, to take the lead uh, from Nick Firestone, who who also was doing very well. Uh, on with the uh, the slick tires and their wet conditions with that upper body weight uh, transferring over left and right. Uh, but uh, yeah, it was uh, really cool to see uh, Joseph charge up through the field to take the win. If I'm not mistaken, too, it was J- Jason Campbell, I think, went to the Oh, yeah, early. sorry, wrong GFC, yes. Yeah, 
he was running second. I think he ended up going to the lead early after when the rain came. He was able to get by Woods. So Campbell kind of took the lead. And then Joseph kind of reeled him in and then passed Campbell. And then Firestone, I, I want to say on the second last lap or last lap, was able to get by Campbell uh, to take second position. So just a, a really good run for those guys. Neil Joseph with the win on the CRG. Nick Firestone and Jason Campbell on the GFCs were in second and third. Ryan Yop coming back again. Ended up finish, finishing uh, uh, P4. So, so you go to Ryan Yop from the old Stars of Carding days in the 2000s. Then you go to P5, Tommy Condino from the Scusa Promoto Tour days of 99-2000-2001. Contino uh, coming back, running with the VME. He was P5 on Saturday. It was uh, it was wild, for sure. I I, I like the, when stuff like that happens because I think that transition, dude, you know what it's like. Trying to drive a shifter in slicks in the wet, ah, it's all about the right foot when it comes to that deal. Oh, without a doubt. It's it's the ease of the throttle, uh, getting the power down uh, to the from the tires to the ground, if you, you can even get any grip. Uh, and then keeping keeping the steering wheel steady, you know, you're not not that quick. Uh, really, the only time you want to jerk is is if you're if you're looking for grip. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, that's it. So okay, so let's go to Sunday, David. And out of the gate, Jason Campbell dropping the hammer, qualifies on the pole, uh, wins the pre final as well. Main event a little bit different because Ryan Yap was the guy that they they dialed that thing in, and he was on the move. Yeah, Yap actually was was coming up on the pre uh, in the pre final. Uh, putting in the fast lap of the race in the prefinal, so just just kind of ran out of laps to uh, in order to uh, to reel in Campbell. But uh, when they when they started the uh, the main event, Yap certainly had the pace right away. Uh, was able to work by uh, Yap. Oh, sorry, wrong class. Was able to work by Yap uh, really quick, uh, taking over the lead, and then just maintained uh, maintained that advantage over Campbell throughout the race. Yeah, a solid fight for third in in the back though. Joseph had an issue in the uh, in the prefinal DNF. Uh, he drove all the way up to ninth with a fast lap of the race, but the fight for third was pretty good. Tommy Contino, Calvin Chan, Adrian Young, all in that battle as well. Uh, Contino doing an, an awesome job. His debut in the Challenge of the Americas uh, for Tommy. As I said, Ron Eubanks had hurt his ribs on Friday night, so instead of racing alongside. Uh, Tommy actually rents for him through the, the entire weekend, uh, and it was cool. I, I mentioned on the, on the podium, I think it had been, it had been probably l- very likely around 20 years, or 20 to ni- 19 or 20 years since I'd actually called Tommy Contino up to the podium <laughs> in a race. So I, lo- I love seeing guys come back to run in the, in the Shifter Masters class, and hopefully we can get some more guys to do it in the future. Now, now is he because because I don't know him. I mean, that twenty years—that's a long time. Is that is that put him in the supermaster category, or is he still kind of? Uh, is he under forty-five? No, I think he's under four. Oh yeah, I think right. He's probably only. I would bet he's only thirty-seven years old. Okay. Years. I don't even think he's forty, right? Because he was probably seventeen or eighteen running in in uh, in the S two category in like ninety-nine, two thousand running in the promoter tour. Add twenty on, so yeah, I I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't think that Tommy's even 40 years old yet. Probably 38, 37, 38, or 39, something like that. Okay. Well, just again, we're, we're talking shifter master. So it's a good idea to get a, get kind of an, a, yeah. an idea of, because not a lot of people know who Tommy is, uh, just, you know, the age level, because a lot of people are still, you know, talking about, you know, how, what's, what's the age difference here, uh, at the front of the field, because Joseph's not a young, young pup, uh, pup. Uh, Kevin Woods is up there in age. So again, it's not the, it's not, it's for some reason here in the in the rock program, the master category, the younger drivers aren't always the uh, the quickest drivers. 
Yeah, and, and and there's there's not a lot of guys thirty to thirty five, right? Every, more guys I think are, are forty and up in the, in a particular category. And that's hey, the bottom line is it's master shifter racing. Guys are out there banging gears. That's what it's all about, and people are having a good time. And big wins, of course, for Neil Joseph and Ryan Yap. And I think the one other thing, David, that makes it four different winners on the season, right? Correct, four different winners on the season. Uh, let's see what was we got. Uh, sorry, lost Kevin, my place. Ke- Ke- Kevin Woods. Won the first race. Uh, Jimmy McNeil uh, won the second race, right? Yep. I was then, I was looking yep. at chassis. So it's two CRG oh. wins, uh, a uh, um, a Tony Kart, and yeah. Illuminos. Illuminos. So just throw it out there. Who's are we going to go six for six? Maybe we need like Neil. You're going to get Firestone. You're Jason gonna, Campbell. Yeah, Firestone's good at uh, at Sonoma. You're probably going to get yeah. the Patrick O'Neill probably show Ooh. up uh, with That's Ron right. White Racing. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I mean a lot, and there's a lot of guys in there that could win that haven't yet. Uh, but you know, don't count out Yop for uh, going for another, uh, especially at Sonoma. He, he's very good there at Sonoma. So, uh, yeah, I mean, and, and Campbell, you know, he's on the verge there to get that, that first challenge victory. Well, I'll tell you that this championship definitely wide open. No one with a clear cut advantage going to Sonoma. We're I'm, I'm excited. Can't wait to get up to Sonoma in March for the finale. It's going to be a tremendous weekend. All right, we're going to cut to another quick break, folks. When we come back, David and I will talk about Senior Rock, Master Rock, and Junior Rock. Stay with us. More to come here on the EKN Radio Network. Technology, design, and manufacturing. These components are what make Cart Republic a world champion. The Cart Republic chassis has earned two FIA World Karting Championships. Here in the U.S., the brand has earned multiple victories and championships in senior, junior, and cadet competition. Kartsport North America is the country's importer and distributor for Dino Chiesa's Cart Republic chassis, and as a leader in American karting, they are focused on providing stability for the sport and quality products and service for the community. Whether you'd like to find the Cart Republic dealer closer to you or schedule an arrive-and-drive package with its official North American race team, contact Cart Sport North America through their official website, kartsportna.com. We are Republic. We are one. The final round of the fastest-growing Rock Cup program in the U.S., the Challenge of the Americas, is coming, and you're not going to want to miss it. It's the program's 13th season and year three of their Rock Focus, and the numbers are steadily growing. And the season finale in Sonoma Wine Country on March 27, 28, 29 is shaping up to set a new attendance record. Don't miss it. The FOMO will be real. Our classes include Micro, Mini, Junior, Senior, and Masters Rock, our multi-manufacturer 100cc Junior, Senior, and Masters program, and our well-supported Rock Shifter and Rock Shifter Masters categories. We're by far the largest shifter program in the West, with 56 unique competitors and an average of 32 shifter drivers in just two categories last winter. There are over 40 Rock Shifters in Cal Speed, and more are expected for Sonoma in March. Prizes include tickets to the massive Rock Superfinal and the Rock the Rio event in Las Vegas. The Challenge of the America season finale is set for March 27 to 29. So head to the series website at challengecarding.com and get registered so you can join us in Sonoma.
Welcome back to the EKN Debrief, episode number 64, Thursday, February the 27th. Hey, you got, got that it right. right this time. I, I got it right. Uh, Rock Cup USA Challenge in America's rounds three and four from Cal Speed Karting. This, this week's show brought to you by Acceleration Kart Racing, but the race report presented by The Road to Indy. Uh, David Cool, we, we talked about it at the start of the broadcast, Senior Rock moving from eight drivers up to 14 for this particular weekend, but not surprising some of the same names we expected up front, right? The Jake Drews, the Oliver Calvos. We had the addition of the Ports brothers this weekend. They really jumped into the fight as well. Jake Drew coming out of the gate, though, on Saturday on the comp cart, qualifies on pole. Uh, Edward Ports wins the pre-final on the Cosmic. But then let's talk, let's talk about the main event because the rain came for the – Master shifter drivers on Saturday for their main event, right? They were the second in the order. Third is Senior Rock. So the rain comes. These guys are out there banging around on the on the wets. Track's super slippery. All the guys at Senior Rock sitting on the grid are watching it. And everybody, everybody puts the reins on, except for one driver. One driver waits and says, you know what? I don't think so. I think slicks are the way to go. I think this track is going to dry up. What a great storyline that was for the first main event for Senior Rock. Well, as you said, it was it was a brief shower, nothing too heavy, but heavy enough to to affect the racetrack for the shifter drivers out on the race course. Uh, and again, yeah, it the sun came out. Uh, that was the weird thing. It came out for, I want to say, five to ten minutes uh, as soon as that checkered flag came out. And and for the senior rock race, as you said, everybody had swapped over to the rain tires ready to go, except for one driver, and that driver being Ariel Yemenez. Yep, yeah. She she decided she was going to stay on the slicks with the DR cart, and and got to so give up to Ariel. Number one, she made the call, not the team. She she wanted to do it. She's the one that was going to be driving. It was her call to make. But the other thing, we've seen this happen before, where the driver making that call rolls the dice, but they can't keep the cart in the track, right? Over those first five laps. Remember, it's a 20 lap main event. So over the, we've seen guys do it and they keep spinning out or driving off track and they just, they never get a chance to go forward, right? They never get a chance to actually use the advantage they did. Under those really tough conditions at the start, Ariel just chilled out, right? She's, I think she, she probably sat there in 12th or something like that. Probably, probably fell back to the tail of the grid. And just let those tires come up to temperature because it was cold. It was it was it was still pretty chilly uh, that day. So as those tires started to come up to temperature, she could start feeling the grip level. Then she went to work. She ends up smoking the field by forty five seconds or something like that. But I, for me, the key, un- the underlying statement that we have to make about that win wasn't just the fact that she went for fresh, went for slick tires. Everybody else on the wets was the simple fact that she handled those first five, you know, five, six, seven laps so expertly to be able to make sure that she wasn't going to give up any track time or any track position or wreck even because she was on tougher tires. Yeah. By lap three, she was in the lead, but again, as you said, had to maintain, maintain the course, stay, stay out of the wet, stay where it was dry and uh, was able to do that. And as you said, just powered away. And also the guys could do on rain tires was just hold on and, uh, and hold it to the finish. So, uh, Oliver Calvo actually first in class because not only for uh, championship points, uh, but first t- first driver across the line on rain tires. So uh, Calvo getting uh, getting a good finish, which he needed because again he had that DNF uh, first round in Tucson. So coming out with a second place is set techni- almost technically a win for him uh, to be ahead of Jake Drew and everybody else that are in the ch- championship chase. 
Yeah, that, that's definitely the way you have to look at it. And it was interesting for us, David, to watch the fact as those wet tires rapidly degraded down to essentially slicks. The guys were turning fast lap times at the very end of the run. Uh, Calvo on the Praga ends up in seconds. We said Ariel Jimenez on the DR cart with the win. Uh, Drew on the comp cart second. The Expree of Bijoy Garg in fourth. And Liam Lech, uh, one of the junior drivers last year, rookie senior on the FA cart, rounding out the top five. Lech came into the weekend second in points. So not sure where he is right now. I, I'll I'll pull that up in a second. Uh, but the bottom line, it was interesting for sure for that one. Sunday, though, David, uh, no real issues on, on Sunday in terms of weather, at least, right? In terms of weather, yeah, no real issues. Uh, but really, uh, a kind of a best performance of the of the year thus far for uh, Jensen Oltz, Oltzman. Uh, yeah. came out came out of the gate with fast time and qualifying uh, has been to Cal speed a number of times racing at uh, numerous events there uh, from the uh, Arizona area so again it, it just a quick haul over from Arizona over to uh, to Fontana uh, but Altsman came out strong set fast time and qualifying essentially led the entire pre-final until Calvo uh, was able to get by him at the very end along with um, uh, Jake drew so Altsman dropped down to third. But then they started the main event. Calvo and Ult- or Calvo and Drew push wide at the start. Uh, Calvo drops to tenth. Drew, Drew, I believe, down to about seventh. This allows Altsman to jump into the lead, and they actually established a pretty solid lead early on. But that gap got cut in lap by lap a little bit by Joey Brienza, uh, who was into second, and then slowly reeled in Altsman uh, up until the uh, the final laps. Yeah, let's talk about that final lap a bit because uh, it was a wild one for sure. Uh, to watch Calvo come up like he did, because Altsman and Brands were working, but you, you didn't want to count out Calvo because he was two seconds back at one point, but he just kept coming, right? Well, at one point, I believe he was, what, five seconds out at uh, one point, of yeah. the lead at yeah. one point, and I was going to get into it. That's that's who we were watching next. Once Brianza got up there, it was watching Calvo because he kept turning the laps quicker and quicker and quicker than both the top two leaders and cut that five second lead into nothing there on that uh, final circuit. So it was a really, really wild uh, last lap between the three drivers exchanging the lead a number of times, uh, a little bit of contact as they went through uh, the final two corners, but Calvo was able to emerge uh, victorious and score what was an amazing victory on the day. Yeah, I believe it was uh, like a block move to the inside of turn eight. The hairpin Cowboy able to tuck to the inside, I think, coming through over to turn number nine and ten. And then they they got going at it again in twelve and through thirteen and fourteen and and just just a huge win for Calvo in, in the senior rock class to be able to get that job done. I thought it was massive. Yeah, massive uh not only for the victory, but for the points championship chase because again, he's yeah. got to overcome that 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 DNF that he had in Tucson. So any point any points he gains, uh every every round he needs to gain points uh over Jake Drew and did just that with Drew finishing up fourth. Um it was actually Brianza crossing the line uh for uh I believe oh let me see that uh da, 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 da. So he crossed the line in the third position, but cut the final final corner, you know, because, again, we're in a parking yeah. lot. Not everything is defined by grass or barriers, uh, but that contact kind of upset him. So he cut the track. They uh, penalized him for cutting the track that dropped him down to the sixth position. Move Edward Ports up to third, but gave Jake Drew up to fourth. So it helped Drew gain a little bit of points there in the championship. So that cut corner could be uh, very uh, key 
in the yeah. championship chase between Calvo and Drew because every point matters, especially as we've seen in the senior category. Uh, Jonathan Ports then uh, finishing in fifth. Yeah, and that was that was ultimate battling it out with uh, with Brands, like you said, coming through after, after the pass, like the move uh, move in turn number twelve that came back to the right hand thirteen and fourteen contact there. Ultimate was able to continue, and as you said, Brands instead of coming back around turn fifteen, cut through there. Uh, probably not the best call, but you know, like you said, uh, lucky for Drew, he gets another b- bunch of points. But interesting, if you look at the points right now, it's that fifty nine points from the Calvo DNF, the issue that he had uh, in Tucson. That's his current drop. It's an eighty five point current drop number for Jake Drew. Uh, Calvo's in a pretty good position right now. He's got a couple of hundred and fifteens and a ninety nine. He needs to have a couple more good finishes. Both drivers need to have good finishes in uh, in Sonoma. But the bottom line is, is that uh, I think Calvo. Little more in the driver's seat, probably now. Would you would you agree? Yeah, Calvo's in the driver's seat because again, essentially he has three wins because that uh that second place in round three gives him uh you know the most points out of the two championship uh, yeah. contenders right now. Uh but yeah, going into uh into Sonoma again, both drivers need to come out of there both rounds scoring points and not getting a drop uh in order to uh to establish themselves as a champion. That is it. All right, let's move to the Masters Rock category, David. Uh, we just got there's just so many good drivers. You just throw Derek Wang, Billy Cleveland, Nick DeGraff, Tim Meyer, uh, Eric Jackson. These are guys that have represented their country, whether you're talking about rock racing, uh, Rotax, IAMI, whatever it's been. They've been part of their national teams in those major international events. Tim Meyer coming out of the gate, though, David, qualifies on the pole position to, to lead the way in the pre-final, uh, but it was Derek Wang stepping up in the pre-final. In fact, he he really kind of dominated the rest of the day. Yeah, Wang put the uh, the stamp on everybody in the final, was able to jump out to a lead immediately, and then pulled away, scoring uh, the victory there. It's second if you uh, when you add in the, uh, the, the race C1 in Tucson. So two wins already for the defending champion in the Master Rock category. So it's a, it's a good start. Again, a good first half, at least, for, for Wang for the uh, defense of the title. Uh, pulled out to a 4.3 second advantage over uh, 2017 challenge of the America's champion, Billy Cleveland. Uh, Mayor dropping back to third, uh, so, but still landed on the podium. Nick DeGraff fourth and Adam Dowler uh, placing fifth. Yeah, Tim, Tim Meyer got the got the position out of the gate. He was running uh, in in second spot. Billy Cleveland kind of sat there with him for the entire time and just kind of chilled out a little bit there. And then uh, and then was able to make the move halfway through. And he goes into into the second position for the second half of the race. Uh, Eric Jackson was having a pretty good run there for fourth position behind Meyer and Cleveland. Uh, so Jackson was P4, but with five laps to go, both Nick DeGraff and Adam Dowler able to slide by Eric Jackson. They end up taking that fourth and fifth place positions. Uh, moving into Sunday, uh, a, a new player, David, coming to the ranks. One of the cool things about the Masters category is that it also allows drivers to run um, if, you're, if you're not of age, but a little heavier. Um, talk about who kind of came to the forefront on Sunday. C- completely dominated the action, really. Yeah, domination day for Adam Dollar. Again, the master field was very close all weekend long. Uh, Derek Wang just had a little bit more than everybody did on Saturday. But on Sunday, it was Adam Dollar who was able to pick up uh, some speed overnight. Uh, Coming out, setting fast time and qualifying, again, held on through the pre-final. And uh, so with the pole position, was able to grab the lead right away. And ran a consistent race. Had uh, Derek Wang and uh, and Billy Cleveland right on his bumper all race long. 
but uh, was never able to uh, was never never put a wheel wrong, and neither Wang nor Cleveland were able to uh, to make an attempt at a pass. So uh, really, a, a kind of a static uh, main event uh, with the top three running one, two, three. Yeah, you got to give it up for Dowler, right? He just did not make a mistake. You're, you're talking, be impressed, like you said, by the by the 2019 champion, the 2017 champion. He's got these veterans, these legends of Masters racing right behind him, putting pressure on the entire time. And he did not put a wheel wrong. He just said, didn't flinch even once. And he, he actually held enough of a gap so that Wang wasn't able to make any, any aggressive moves to go by. I think Derek was kind of biding his time early, but... He ran out of time, and Dowler just kept getting better at the end. So good good for him. Big win, for sure. Very big win. Uh, certainly throws a, a little bit of a wrinkle in the championship chase. We'll get a little bit more into that uh, when we talk about it in the uh, the outlap for that weekend. But still going to make things a lot in, a very interesting uh, come to Sonoma. But uh, as we said, Derek Wang second, Billy Cleveland in third. Uh, Nick DeGraff scoring the fourth position, so two fourth-place finishes for him. And then uh, Eric Jackson was able to uh, to climb up to fifth with uh, Tim Meyer uh, recording a DNF. Yeah, it was a good run for, for Jackson. Uh, got kind of mired in the mid-pack for a bit there, but was finally able to get through to get that, that fifth position. Uh, points are going to be interesting, David. As you said, we'll talk more about it when we do the Outlap Preview podcast before the event uh, at the end of March. But bottom line is, uh, three drivers within uh, 38 points. Uh, Derek, the, the key is Derek Wang's coming in with a point lead this particular uh, year going into Sonoma. And when, uh, when last year he had to really step up big time, swept the weekend to take the championship right now uh, in a much better position heading into Sonoma this year. Yeah, we'll see how that unfolds because, again, you never know what's going to happen in Sonoma. It could rain all weekend. It could, yep. uh, there could be other elements that, uh, that change the, uh, the dynamics of the race weekend. Well, it's going to be head-to-head because Cleveland's dropping an 88 right now and Wang's dropping an 89. So they're essentially 18 points apart going in. Whoever steps up the wins is going to win the championship. I, that's the thing I love about, about the point to, the point program. It's fantastic. Andy has uh, no but, idea what he's yeah, doing. <laughs> that's true. Let's, let's not give any props. Uh, let's talk about Junior Rock. We'll cap off this particular section with the Junior Rock uh, report. Uh, Max Opolsky, a young driver who kind of turned things up at the end of the 2019 season, not letting up at all, qualifies on pole, David, for Saturday, wins the pre-final as well. Doesn't come away with the victory, but uh, Opolsky most definitely uh, one of the, one of the, the highlight juniors here for, for 2020. Yeah, something happened at the uh, at the start of the main event uh, that forced uh, Polsky to uh, to pull off after three laps. So, uh, but it, it was a great start to the to the weekend. Uh, just you know, the, an issue that the that that made him pull, pull off uh, um, in the main event. So it takes away a win, but uh, you know that's why they have one round one day and one round the next day to uh, to be able to come back. But uh, him him dropping off uh, allowed Frankie Mossman to take control. We saw Mossman earn his first uh, challenge in America's victory in Tucson. But Mossman was able to uh, establish himself as the driver to be in the main event, uh, running fast laps of the race and uh, pulling out to a 3.8 second advantage for the victory. Yeah, he just laid it down for sure. Alex Berg ends up coming home in second spot. AJ Zarcone in third. Uh, Enzo Delini in the fourth position. Enzo actually hit the track on Saturday morning because he he was away on vacation, missed all of Friday. So his first laps on the weekend were actually Saturday morning's warm up. Uh, Delini ends up finishing in fourth spot, and Diego Larock rounding out the top five. All five drivers on the OTK product. Uh, four of them on the Tony carts. Mossman the winner on the FA cart. 
Fast forward to Sunday, and uh, Opalski again, David, another pole position for him. Ends up winning the pre-final as well after Mossman getting hit with a pushback uh, bumper penalty. Yeah, that would certainly be key because uh, the, the pushback bumper penalty took Mossman off the pole position uh, for the main event and dropped him down uh, into the field. And that would essentially end uh, Mossman's chance because he started fourth, was in the mix, and got spun uh, in the hairpin early on in the main event. So it took him out of contention uh, right away. Uh, this allowed Apolsky to really pull away uh, to uh, a, a big victory. Um, his first, I believe, in the challenge. I, I have I to so. double check that, but I, I believe this was his first victory at the challenge. So again, he was unable to uh, to make Tucson due to a, a family death, uh, death in the family. So uh, to come back uh, and start the 2020 season off, with nearly two victories, but at least one to uh, to continue that momentum that he had at the end of 2019. Yeah, definitely making the statement that he's going to be ready to ba- battle for some uh, from junior wins here this year. Opalski gets the win. Tremendous run for Macy Williams as well. She put a lot of pressure on Max throughout uh, the early half of that main event for the drivers for that junior rock category. Fell back a little bit, ended up finishing in the second position. Uh, Alex Berg, the Canadian. Uh, super strong in the 100cc junior stuff. We'll talk about that as well, uh, but very fast. Uh, finds himself third in the points, leaving Kalspie. He was P3 on Sunday. Enzo Delini and Diego LaRock again, fourth and fifth to round out that weekend uh, in the junior rock category. All in all, David, there's there's some really good talent in this class. I think we're going to see junior rock continue to grow on the challenge. Yeah, first weekend for LaRock in the, in the junior rock category. I believe he yeah. ran the 100cc category last year. Uh, here and there, whenever he did run, uh, so good, good kind of uh, debut for for Larock. Great uh, rebound for Macy Williams. She kind of struggled in Tucson, and it's, so it's good to see her back up on the podium. And uh, your dark horse, Alex Berg, uh, picking up another two podiums uh, in the junior rock category. So solid for that. Uh, and Mossman was able to get up to P nine with fast laps of the race, so he did get those five points. Uh, so we'll see how that uh, that kind of shakes out. It, it took away points from from the uh, championship contenders for him. So uh, a P nine still might be a drop for him uh, moving into Sonoma. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's a uh, where is he? Mossman? It's a, it's a sixty two pointer. So it definitely his drop race so far. He'll have to have a big weekend in Sonoma if he wants to try to win this championship. All right, folks, stay with us again. Another quick little break. When we get back here on EK and Debrief episode number 64, we're going to hit the 100cc categories and then roll through Mini and Micro Rock as well. We'll cap off the race report after this break. It's 2020, and it's time to rock. The Rock Cup USA Florida Winter Tour resumes on the March 5th to 9th weekend, and the final round of this year's series will be extra special. They have a brand new venue, Tropicana Field in St. Petersburg, and they'll offer up another competitive temporary circuit for their drivers to fight it out for the championships. The race is just one week before the NTT IndyCar Series Grand Prix of St. Petersburg, so come down out of the cold to race the Florida Winter Tour and hang out in the Sunshine State for the IndyCar opener. It's spring break, rock style. We've also announced our Rockfest events for 2020. Rockfest East will take place at the newly paved car track inside the Charlotte Motor Speedway in North Carolina on the July 30th to August the 2nd weekend. Rockfest West will bring our rockers together at the Sim Raceway Performance Karting Center in Sonoma, California on September 17th to 20th. Head to rockcupusa.com to register today. Let's rock! Feel like you're racing alongside the many legends that have called CRG home. 
With direct factory support, the CRG Nordam operation is the North American distributor for all CRG products related to karting and is based just outside Houston, Texas. The complete racing chassis line, including the famous Road Rebel shifter cart, is available through CRG Nordam. The growing FS4 Briggs & Stratton focused chassis is expanding worldwide, including right here in North America. Many tracks, indoor and outdoor, have made the switch to the Centurion rental cart line through CRG. New for the 2020 season is the Mini Hero for cadet racing, homologated for FIA competitions around the world. Head over to cartcrg.com or find them on all social media networks. Welcome back to the EKN Radio Network, episode number 64 of the EKN Debrief, Thursday, uh, February the 27th, our date of recording here. Rob Howden alongside David Cole. This uh, episode brought to you by Acceleration Cart Racing and our race report presented by the Road to Indy, presented by Cooper Tires. It's time to cap things off with 100cc Senior, 100cc Master, 100cc Junior, Mini Rock, and Micro Rock. The Senior 100cc category, David, 18 drivers in total. Uh, and another, you know, what Oliver Calvo's kind of grabbed a hold of this particular category, trying to win this championship. He qualifies on the pole position, but a big win in the pre-final for Eddie Shimon as well in the GFC. Yeah, good breakout win for uh, for Eddie Shimon, his first uh, at the uh, at the challenge. Uh, be it, it was only a pre-final, but still a solid uh, solid performance for him. Uh, again, one of the uh, one of the categories that was moved their main event from from Saturday to early Sunday morning. Uh, so it kind of shook things up a little bit, uh, uh, but uh, Shimon had to lead the field uh, to the green flag again, a mixture this time because again, Mini and Micro started out on wet tires. These guys actually had four drivers on wet tires; the rest were on slick tires. So it was it was a very interesting main event. Yeah, I think if it, I'm not sure if if, it, if it, this is actually true, but I think it was all the drivers from Forward Direction Motorsports, Greg uh, Greg Welch and the crew. I, I thought it was a great call. Let's let's roll the dice and see what happens. Let's see if we get any more rain or how wet is it going to stay. Uh, they all went on the wet tires and it looked good out of the gate, did it not? Jackson Dunn was able to pull out. He was kind of the guy that was leading the way. He pulled out to a really solid lead. And it's it's almost like there just wasn't enough standing water. And I didn't see Jackson going all over the place, like trying to find different lines to try to keep those tires cool. That may have that may have been the issue. But to be honest, the track started to dry, David, and really the second half of that race belonged to slick tires. If you were on the reins, you were sit, you were a sitting duck for sure. It ended up being a great battle for the race win. Oliver Cabo was in there, Micah Hendricks, Alex Saragusa, all in the hunt. Jackson Dunn, though, on those wets, because he had had such a good lead, he held on for at least fifth. I liked the call. It wasn't. It did end up being the right one, but I like that somebody did it. That's for sure. Yeah, it was. I think they came up what maybe seven laps short because about the, maybe the halfway point is when we saw saw the tables turn and the the slick tires started becoming the the quicker uh, choice uh, for tires because uh, looking at uh, the lap times for 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 Calvo. Um, Hold on just a second here. Uh, he got, yeah, it was uh, 17, 16, 13, 15, 14, 12, 10, 11, 18. Those were his fast, fast, almost fast 10 laps of the race. So, uh, yeah, about lap 10 is when when things started to change. As you said, Jackson Dunn established a really solid lead. Again, we thought, hey, maybe it's going to hold on. 
maybe it's going to hold on. He was way out there for Un- sure. Yeah. Unfortunately, it did not hold on enough for him. Yeah. And again, it, like, as you said, the track, once that track, it's very weird because it's a parking lot. And once that track starts drying, it dries. It There's there's no beating around when uh, when there's no more rain coming down because it, it'll, it'll dry quick. Agreed. Yeah, no doubt about that. Uh, in the end, Calvo ends up getting the victory and his third straight win of the year in the 100cc class. Micah Hendricks on the Illuminos comes home in second. Alex Saragusa had a good run. He was strong all weekend long, Saragusa, in the Formula Works comp cart. Eddie Shimon in fourth. And as I said, Jackson Dunn holding on uh, for P5 on the wets. But uh, the last lap was a pretty good battle for sure, David. Yeah, those top four drivers, it was a pretty wild finish. Uh, Hendricks was able to come up because we thought it was going to be Calvo or Saragusa. Or at one point we thought it was Shimon, and then Hendricks joined into the fight. So it was a it was a really wild last lap. Well, hundred cc where it was kind of laid out in the schedule, second last uh, class in the order. They they really had their main events messed up, didn't they, David? They had to get pushed from Saturday to Sunday morning, and then with the late ambulance run that pushed us right up to the you know the darkness essentially in Fontana, uh, they ran it. They ran a ten lap pre-final after the sunset i mean a 10 lap final after the sunset it had gone down at 540 i want to say it was 545 almost 550 i think when we when we went green with, with these guys calvo qualified on the pole earlier in the day syracuse as i said was strong all weekend long he ends up winning the pre-final uh but david in those in that last 10 lap sprint uh Cowboy able to jump out into the lead and, and hold the spot syracuse gets second but wow that was again it wasn't near. It wasn't as bad as the shifter guys, but it was still like the sun had gone down already. Yeah, no, they they had plenty of light to see. There was there was no doubt about it. It wasn't like the the, the conditions that the shifter drivers had to endure. Uh, but it was again, it was almost like a green white checkered. It felt like because it was a quick ten lap shootout, uh, jump out and get going. And again, the the hundred cc is a little bit different because it's all about momentum. And the longer the the the, the race goes. That it seems the drivers get a little bit quicker and a little bit quicker, so it's a little bit different for these guys. Uh, but again, you know, ten laps, you go out and you do it, and uh, and Calvo jumped out to the lead early and was able to hold off Saragusa, uh, scoring a fourth victory on the season for uh, for Calvo. So uh, definitely, uh, he has the championship in hand heading into Sonoma. Yeah, great run as well for Henry Falls hand on the red speed. He ends up finishing in the third spot. A, a really, really good run for Henry. Uh, uh, and then Colby DeBato, David, started at the back of the field, drove up to the top five. And really, to be honest, uh, a solid run for Colby. He had a bad day on round three, only 69 points, ends up with 76 points. He's second in points, back by 128 markers. Cowboys going to essentially have to have two bad races, two DNS essentially, in uh, at, at Sonoma to open the door for, for Dupato, but for him to be able to come back to, to the P5, or P, yeah, P4 rather, come back to fourth, you never know that we could look back. If something happens to Calvo, we could look back and say say that uh, Dupato kept himself in the championship by battling his way back up to P4. Yeah, a 10-lap shootout, you go for it all, and Dubato did it. Uh, had a lot of a lot of good passes uh, in that race to, to 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 keep climbing up positions and got got around Shimon there towards the end of the race. Uh, so good performance for him. Uh, and again, as you said, Henry Falls hand another. Uh, I believe he didn't even race on Saturday. No, I don't uh, think he and, did. No. And replaced um, another driver on Sunday. So to come in and do a one day a one off and and land on the podium was solid, pretty solid for him. 
All right, let's move to Masters 100cc. And how do we approach this? Do we even do we say his name, or we almost have to now? Don't you think? The unknown amateur. The unknown amateur racer the, uh, XXL. XXL, yeah. The uh, the the. the <laughs> race uh, we're gonna. Yeah, we're gonna have to do it. We 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 played mm. it pretty good throughout the weekend. I know, I know, I know, I know. Adam Kasich. Uh, we'll talk Kasich, about him. Rather. Yeah. Yeah, let's talk about Adam Kasich. He qualifies on pole on Saturday. Uh, but the pre, to be honest, from then on, it was all Mike Smith. I'll say it. That's hard. I'll to say it. I'm not saying it. That's it, it makes me cringe when you say that. <laughs> uh, poor Mike. Uh, so, so Mike Smith, the track manager at Cal Speed Karting, obviously one of the top masters drivers in the country, has uh, won a bunch of different races, was able to put together a program to come out and run this particular weekend at his, at his home track. Uh, to be honest, David, he just, uh, he knows the track. He knows what the track needs. They had that. They had that cosmic dialed in so so well for him. Uh, once he got out front, he, he actually I don't I don't think he got a got the lead at the start of either main event. I think he fell back to second both races, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but was able to get back up front. Mike did a tremendous job, and again, he knows this racetrack. Uh, Sechi took over in the pre-final, never looked back. He wins the main event on Saturday. Kasich ends up in second. Nick DeGraff in third. On the ITAL card, he was going back and forth between the ITAL card and the VME on the weekend for DeGraff. Jonathan Silva had a good run P4 on Saturday, and Tim Meyer rounding out the top five. But, uh, yeah, you know, we, you don't have to say his name. I'll say his name, but Mike Smith did a tremendous job and was uh, was rewarded with a couple of uh, couple of wins on the weekend. Yeah, went wire to wire in the main event on Saturday, but uh, on Sunday it was uh, a Tim Meyer jumping out to the lead early. Uh, but, uh, that guy, that the guy who won, uh, was the able guy to take shall not be named. Yes. The guy who shall not be named, um, <laughs> came back and, and took the spot and, and really, you know, had a, had a solid performance. Now, if this category would have been running at night, I would have put my money on him because he knows every single bump of this racetrack. That's true. Would you That's not agree true. with that? So yeah, yeah. Well, I, I will give him a prop on that. He, he knows a lot of the bumps. He knows where, where all the, uh, the barriers are placed because he does it. Uh, so it's, it's very easy for him to race there at night. Well, he, he flat dominated on Sunday as well. Uh, Mike Smith qualifying on the pole, winning the pre-final, and then, uh, essentially cha- he was challenged early in the main event. Kasich was there in the main event, but in the end, he just kind of settled back into the groove, pulled out that gap and, and ran it all the way to his second win. It actually moves Mike up to sixth in points as well. Uh, he gets the victory. Kasich in second. DeGraff in third. He's now the point leader by 29 markers over Tim Meyer. Uh, Meyer ended up finishing fifth. Silva, another top five P4 on both days for Jonathan Silva on the comp cart for Formula Works. So, uh, all in all, uh, you know, Masters 100cc's turned into a badass class here now after having just one driver last year. I'd, I'd love to see 20 next year. Yeah, it was interesting to see the results shape up the same as they did from Saturday to Sunday. But again, it was, uh, it was a tough competition and a lot of, uh, different scenarios that could have happened. And uh, unfortunately that one driver just uh, was able to win both. The masters drivers ran with the hundred CC junior drivers as the opening class in the rotation. And uh, once again, just like Tucson, the weekend was all about Alex Berg, the Ryan Perry motorsports driver in the Tony car qualifies on pole wins. The pre-final won the main event on both days. And the lineup actually was the same for both days as well. David uh, Jacob Hoover ends up in second, Haley Schroeder in third, Cole Schroeder in fourth. It was the same way for both days. 
Uh, Hoover was bad, though. Hoover was had, had to fight against both the Schroeders uh, both of the days as well. He wasn't running second the entire time. I think Haley had it for a while, then, and then Jacob was eventually able to get second both races. But the bottom line is uh, Alex Berg really just has this thing handled. He is, uh, as his dad told me at Tucson, as Alan said, uh, he goes, he goes. I don't know what happened, but a, a, a switch has been flick, uh, flicked because uh, Alex really on his game now. Yeah, 12 straight sessions uh, being P1 without uh, relinquishing the position. I don't think he I, I think maybe even on outlaps on qualifying like he's P1 as well, too, in the category. Uh, we'll have to check those numbers. But uh, uh, yeah, to, so he's he's P1 in all 12, 12 sessions of the season thus far. Uh, now he'll carry that momentum into Sonoma, where maybe we'll see maybe we'll see a Sonoma leap. Uh, in entries in this category because uh, the VLR 100cc uh, engine is uh, very popular in this category. And uh, again, being a regional uh, program up there in Sonoma, hopefully we'll see this uh, was this category grow in, in numbers for, for that weekend. Well, let's put it out there, David. Let's challenge one of the Rock Sonoma drivers to come out and to try to beat Alex Burke. Right. Let's let's do this. Let's, well, we can't put driver? a real bounty on him. He's a kid. Well, we right? Yeah, I'm not putting a bounty <laughs> on his head. <laughs> but I'll put a challenge out there. Let's see. Rock Sonoma. Let's see who can come up and let's let's see if one of the Rock Sonoma locals, one of the junior drivers can can see if they can't challenge Alex Burke. I there you go. Let's, let's do that. It's a challenge. Uh, moving into, into the mini rock class, mini and micro rock running together. As we said, mini, a, a great jump for, uh, for Cal speed from four in Tucson to double digits with 10 drivers in Cal speed. We added one extra driver in the micro category as well. Tristan Young, though, out of the gate, David, uh, with the, the qualifying uh, session, got the pole on Saturday. Alex Rantala on the CRG. He was kind of, the, I think the guy that really stepped up his game from Tucson to, uh, uh, to Cal's, but he was he was super quick. Rantala ended up winning the prefinal. Yeah, it's kind of been a uh, there hasn't been really one driver that stood out in this category over the four rounds that we have had. So again, third round three, uh, two different drivers uh, at the top of the order after qualifying in the prefinal, and again the main event uh, was actually red flagged uh, after two laps into the race. So uh, for a incident involving uh, um, Toby Lien for uh, yep. in the micro division. So this race had to be moved over to Sunday morning. Uh, and again, these guys were on wet tires. So the, the track was wet all on wet tires. So it was, you know, who's going to step up now on, on conditions that they've only done in warm up uh, that morning for and uh, ended up being Christian Cameron. So Cameron was able to, to battle uh, the wet weather conditions and, uh, and scored the uh, victory, his second uh, on the season. I believe no. Yep, second yeah, straight. Back back. So back to back, back for to back. him. Yeah, uh, one one in the in, in Tucson in the dry, and now one in the wet at uh, at Cal Speed. Tristan Young ended up finishing second. Run Tala, who won the pre-final, started on the pole, fell back into the third spot. Tough conditions, as David said, because it was it was wet in the morning. They were the first class to go out. Uh, Parker DeLong ended up finishing in the fourth spot, and Wyatt Vitovich rounding out the top five. Uh, moving to Sunday again, kicking things off. Rantala, as I said, he just had some good pace this weekend. Ended up uh, Rantala ended up qualifying on pole again, 
But from there, once we started racing, David, it was Parker DeLong who kind of moved his way to the forefront. Yeah, it was a thrown chain that uh, essentially might have taken away a a, wheat, a round sweep for DeLong yeah. because DeLong ended up uh, coming up the, the hill towards our uh, uh, announcer's booth, uh, chucking a chain going over the curb that's on the exit of the corner there. And so I only had, I think, one lap in when the uh, when the chain came off so had to start from the tail of field was able to work his way quickly up through the field in the pre-final and to earn that race win and then in the final just essentially drove away from the entire field to score uh, his first victory of the season yeah and i think of the first uh first podium as well for wyatt vidovich um he finished second on on sunday uh young ended up finishing in third cameron fourth and ran talent fifth it's still pretty Pretty tight on top of the points. Three different winners on the season, Tristan Young and Christian Cameron, separated by just 23 markers uh, heading into Sonoma. Micro uh, was really battled back and forth between kind of Nico Sarfati and Cypress Andrus. Sarfati on the GFC, David qualifies on pole on Saturday. Pre-final goes to uh, to Cypress Andrus in the, in the Formula K machine. He wins the pre-final, but the main event, of course, in that uh, that wet race on Sunday morning, uh, Sarfati actually, I thought he was pretty impressive in the wet. Yeah, Sarfati was was very impressive with in the wet was and in the dry was able to really kind of race with the uh, the mini drivers uh, in both uh, scenarios, uh, both uh, track conditions. Sorry. Um so yeah, it, again, it's stepping up under the GFC driver development program, uh, really uh, doing a lot of testing. Always at the racetrack, we're always uh, getting that uh, those Instagram uh, images from him. Uh, at the racetrack with with Gary and getting in that time, but uh, Cypress was 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 strong as well too throughout the weekend. So Agreed. I think we have we have a good crop of uh, of micro drivers here uh, at the challenge. Well, you hear us talk about the fact that uh, they're actually running with the mini guys essentially for this particular year because of the the low numbers of the micros. Andy Andy Saisman decided, hey, here's what we're going to do. Uh, we're going to to have so they're they're on exactly the same engine package right now. They don't have the restrictor. On the, on the micro. So essentially the mini and the micro are separated by their age for, for these particular categories, which still works, but allows them to be able to race each other, which is, I think it's been a great experience uh, for the micro drivers, not just having to run against each other. On on Saturday, though, uh, it was all Sarfati. Sarfati. He qualifies on the pole position, wins the pre-final, and then was bad, like you said, Dave, was right in there battling with the mini drivers. Actually, I think he led at one point, uh, but he was in the fight at the very start, the whole deal at, with Sarfati coming home with the win. Talk a little bit. I'm trying to remember exactly how it all shook down in the final lap. On Saturday or Sunday? You got, you, you, you lost me. Sunday. Sunday. We already, Sunday. We already okay. took care of Saturday. Said, I heard you say Saturday. That's why I was confused there. Yeah. Uh, yeah on Sunday. Yeah. He was, uh, was racing for essentially a top five overall position. And I believe it was uh, Christian Cameron that he was racing with. And uh, the two got a, had a little contact, and and uh, Serafati got into the marbles, going back down towards the uh, the start finish line. So yeah. really had to back out of it, lost a lot of ground, and uh, allowed uh, Cyprus uh, Andrus to uh, to work by him for uh, for the lead in the micro division. Uh, and then uh, a last lap battle between between Cyprus and Nico and uh, and Drysdale was right there as well too. So uh, all three of them battling up on the last lap. Uh, Nico was able to uh, to grab the lead before the last couple of corners, and then contact between uh, Drysdale and Cypress sent uh, Andrus around. Uh, so Drysdale was able to come across the line in second, uh, putting Cypress back to the uh, third position. 
And I remember Sarfati still running the top five. I, I think they were battling in front of him. Somebody made a move to the inside, right, in, the, in, in turn number 12. They got kind of side by side, and Nico did the full over-under. And came. there were three wide, essentially, coming out to 13 and 14, the off-camber right-handers there. And he was going to try to run the go three wide on the outside right through the all the – because there's just so – Many marbles there, right? Dave from the tires spitting the rubber out. He got out. In the, he got out in the marbles, and he was done. Yeah, <laughs> just, that. Yeah, no, that's that's exactly what allowed Cypress back into no grip. back into uh, back into the fold for the uh, the micro uh, overall lead. Indeed. All right, one quick break, folks. We'll come back and wrap up this edition of the EK and Debris. Stay with us. More to come. At Solo Cart USA. Designing and manufacturing the most driver-friendly carts has been our goal from the very beginning. Design, build, test, and then race over and over and over until it's perfect. The result is a cart that gives you complete confidence, knowing that the equipment can get the job done and you can focus on what separates every field in karting, driver talent. How do you know how to tune your team's chassis if you're not driving it yourself? At Solo Kart USA... We drive our own carts, and we race regularly. Solo Kart is our program, and we race what we sell. Every lap we turn, at tracks all over the country, provides information and feedback that we use in further developing our chassis. After four years of dedicated testing and competition, our Solo Kart USA program is exactly where we want it. It's ready for you. Louis Westover put our Solo Kart SK2 on the X30 Senior Podium at the opening round of the Superkart USA Winter Series in January, topping 50 other drivers. And our own Adam Pettit followed suit with a second-place finish in X30 Master. Check out www.solokartusa.com to learn more and break away from the pack. If you're searching for a program to elevate you up the motorsports ladder, Crosslink Competition is your next step. Crosslink Competition provides arrive and drive programs that include driver coaching, data analysis, and engine rental programs for all major events in the 2020 season. Team Crosslink is scheduled to compete at the Scusa Pro Tour, Rock Cup USA, and the United States Pro Kart Series events, as well as regional and local programs from their home base in Texas. Crosslink Competition is a full retail shop for the Xfree and OTK parts line. Many new and used packages are available right now through their Dallas headquarters. Drivers interested in making the jump from karting to cars, Crosslink provides a streamlined opportunity for you. Team Crosslink Kiwi Motorsports was the 2019 F4 United States Championship title winner, providing the perfect transition within the same operation. Drivers looking to compete with an elite-level karting program or to pick up gently used team equipment are asked to call 214-432-4413. Be sure to follow all the team's social media platforms at Team Crosslink. Welcome back to the EKN Debrief, episode number 64, as David Cole and I are uh, doing a deep dive into the Rock Cup USA Challenge of the Americas, rounds three and four. This last weekend at Cal Speed Karting, this edition brought to you by Acceleration Kart Racing. David, let's wrap this thing up. Uh, despite the threat of rain, uh, and you know, we really only got a little bit of rain. If we look, if we look at wrapping things up, you and I, I think, like I said before, everybody was bracing for a full day of, oh my God, I hate driving in the rain at Cal Speed. 
and he just never came. Yeah, it, it was a strange Saturday uh, looking at the radar all day because rain was on on the radar surrounding us. We knew it was coming. Everybody kept saying, well, it's raining over there. Hey, it's raining over here at, at my That's house right. and, and this and that. And and the rain never really, really came except for that one time uh, in the shifter master class. And it was a brief little shower. And then we had sun. <laughs> it was just a just a strange scenario. Uh, surrounding uh, the rain. Actually, I think it did rain Friday. Did it rain Friday while we were doing the uh, Smash Burger as well, too? I think yeah, you did. You're right. Yeah, you did a little. It rained a little bit on Friday night. That's right. Yeah, so, because so, uh, yeah, going in knowing we thinking we had a full day of rain coming at one point, and it never really came and really hit us. Only really Friday night and Saturday night was was a good scenario for us. It made things exciting. Bottom line, the master shifter guys having to, to be out there on full slicks trying to, to, to navigate it. It's set up for Ariel Jimenez winning on slicks, the only driver to go to the slicks in a drying track. On Sunday with the rain that we had over the evening, of course, then we had the true transition from the wet morning session to Oliver Calvo being one of the guys that was able to come forward when a, when a handful of guys went rains, but it didn't work. Oh no! It just made it made for a, a pretty cool storyline in a couple of the races. Yeah, I don't think it was too hard on the mechanics for for changeover. I mean, that's the one good thing. It wasn't on off on off. It was only a few instances where we had a, a, a question, but it provided great drama. It provided great racing. Uh, it, it gave you something to talk about. Certainly, uh, gave people a reason to come up and leave their paddock area to come up to the fence and watch the race because, again, drama. Pr- Drama is what we come to watch and, and want to see uh, in racing. We don't want to see, you know, guys following the leader and not doing anything. So it provided a, a, a unique aspect uh, to the event. One of the things that, uh, you know, maybe the, the facility itself or the series needs to review, Dave, but the ambulance procedure for the particular weekend, we had three ambulance runs that, uh, that really kind of wreaked havoc with the weekend schedule. Yeah, it, it was really the down one of the two down points uh, of the weekend uh, that we saw. Again, record breaking numbers. So we we you know we had positives going in, and then uh, then we had three ambulance runs. Uh, yeah. I believe the I believe the first two were were were. I'm trying to find the word to say. Um, I guess warranted. Warranted, yes. Warranted is a good word to say uh, because uh, obviously the first one, they, I believe, it required surgery for a torn ligament, so they weren't quite sure yeah. exactly what happened. Um, Alex McPherson Wyman, yeah, yeah, so, he had to have so, some hand surgery. So we, when when there's uncertainty, I can understand that. Um, again, in the in the second incident, it looked like it was a, a severe hit. Uh, and again, for a young driver, probably under the age of ten, you you want to take all precautions. Um, but the third event or the third, third incident it happened towards the end of a race. The driver was standing up. Nothing was severely injured. Uh, nothing was life threatening. And again, I think that's, that's one of the key elements is, is, is it life threatening or not? And, you know, as a father, I, I, I kind of understand, you know, okay, you know, maybe we need to be medically checked out. Well, when, when you're, when you're putting the whole entire event in the, in your hands and you decide to, to ignore it and, and to take a, I don't want to say joy ride, but essentially that's kind of what the ambulance ride was, uh, because the injuries weren't life threatening. The driver was able to walk over and get onto the, the, um, uh, the stretcher. So, I mean, it's, it's kind of frustrating in that end, 
but also it, it it it's not so much the fault of the of of those drivers it's it's kind of the fault of this facility itself and and the re- ridiculous rules and structure that they have for for a- ambulance procedures yeah and we said we had said before it's to have that second ambulance is a lot of money man and it just and and remember this is it's the series is a business still and you can't be throwing the money away and if 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 you're going to add, add another 4500 well, bucks onto the budget it's going on to the entry fees but i'm not i'm not even talking about a, a second ambulance is is how how is it that every racetrack that we go to across the country an ambulance one ambulance can leave and you replace it with another, another true. It, yep. I mean, all it is is an exchange of paperwork or or exchange of okay, I'm clocking out here, I'm I'm leaving this place, or you know, even with through the same company. Uh, most of these companies have the same have ambulances all in the same area. Uh, every racetrack we go to, we never have this instance, and 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 it, I don't. It's not a California rule because we've 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 seen situations at other racetracks in California where one ambulance comes in, one ambulance leaves, another one comes in. We there's there's maybe a, a 15 minute downtime in case the ambulance isn't close or nearby or or something you know else is going on to to delay that that exchange. But just the procedure that that the facility has. And, yep, and, and, and what the racetrack and what anybody who goes there has to deal with is it, it's kind of ridiculous and, and seriously needs to be looked at because it, I mean, do, should I pay track rental for the time I'm not being, I'm not using because you cannot provide an ambulance. I mean, that's, yeah. that's one way of looking at it too. Hey, the bottom line is this, David, there's gotta be a better solution, right? There's gotta be. It's got to be. It's got to be a better solution. One of the other things I know when you mentioned a couple things that, that weren't good, uh, and I, I, on the, I was on the PA many times telling people that you are not allowed to leave your tires or your fuel cans at the facility. And everybody knows this. You can't do this. And then, of course, you know, Andy Saisman sends us a picture of one particular pit with tires and fuel cans stacked up beside the uh, beside the, um, the the garbage can. That's probably more than just that one. But again, we, just, we posted it to our social media because it's, it's got to be a, a community thing. First and foremost, you know, a lot of people came back with comments like, well, the, the promoter or the organizer should should figure out a way for us to, to, to take care of our tires in the end. You know what? Yeah, that's something they could definitely look at. But the current situation is you buy your tires, you take care of them, they're, they're your responsibility. Yes, you can provide input of what we could do in the future. But in this particular situation, you were supposed to leave your stuff. You I mean, you take your stuff with you. You weren't allowed to leave it. And somebody did. Going forward, though, David, yeah, maybe there's an opportunity for tracks, promoters, manufacturers, whatever, review the other ways of disposing the product they've sold to the racers, figure out a way to do it. And if that means adding another five bucks on a tire because you have a recycling deal or whatever it may be at trackside, maybe that's maybe that's something to look forward to moving forward. Well, in typical social media aspect, everybody blames somebody else when when in all honesty, it, it falls on who is responsible for it at that particular time. At that particular time, it's the racers and the race teams are responsible for the product being left behind. <clears throat> Excuse me. So why, you know, not everything has to fall back on the promoter. Why is a promoter not having a second ambulance? Uh, well, it's because of the facility. So it's not essentially the promoter's fault for not having a second uh, ambulance there. Uh, you know, so again, it, in this scenario, it's not the promoter's fault that tires and fuel cans are being left behind because they sell them. 
I mean, it's it, it's not like you it's not like a restaurant where you go in, you eat the food that you ordered, and you leave your trash all over the the table and expect them to clean it up for you. It's not like that. This you know, we go into a racetrack, and you you're supposed to pick up after yourself. You don't leave any trash behind. You don't dump liquids all over the place. You don't leave tie tie straps all over or zip ties and 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 just junk all over your pit area. You're supposed to, you should be picking up after yourself no matter what. And and this just boils down to disrespect of what the what the rules are in place for for uh uh pickup procedures regarding your your paddock area. I mean yeah. everybody bitches about how how um uh how much it is for a pit spot. Well, if, if, if you don't want to, if you want to keep leaving trash and, and, and all this shit behind, then the prices are going to go up and that's the reality of it because the facilities are going to get tired of us making their, their, their racetrack look like trash every time we leave on Sunday night or Monday morning. And so they're going to raise prices. Well, when they raise prices, then the promoter has to raise prices. And so that means the price goes up for us, the racers. That's it. That's it. All right, let's, let's. Spin this back into a positive. Dave, give me a little rundown of the Constructors' Championship, which uh, we, we talked a lot about chassis this particular uh, episode of the EKM debrief. Give me the give me the rundown on, on who won what. Yeah, almost got double digits. So for 20 uh, race wins on the weekend, we, uh, we almost had a double-digit chassis brand. So we had a total of nine, if I counted that right. One, two, three, up, nine. Uh, Tony Cart led the way with five. So as we talked about, OTK has a good majority uh, of the chassis that are out there. But again, it's still diverse because you have Praga winning with three. Mind, mind you, it's only one driver who did that with Oliver Calvo. Uh, FA Cart had three victories of its own. So OTK with a total of let's, well eight there and two with Cosmic. So a good amount for them. A GFC. Yep. Yep. GFC picking up two with, uh, Nico Serafati in the micro division, uh, Burrell art with two. Thanks to, uh, Jake French and then CRG DR cart and VLR all with one victory. There you have it. That's your constructor's championship breakdown. Now it's time to talk folks. And we'll cap things off and look at the EK and trackside live race calendar. Uh, for our next month where David Cole and I will be trackside with uh, our program of bring coverage and live audio. This edition of the EK and trackside live race calendar brought to you by Streeter Superstands. With decades of experience and an unbeatable reputation, Streeter Superstands leads the way in quality, innovation, and affordable lifts, stands, and an amazing selection of trailer and shop accessories to make you the envy at every event. From local club racers and regional warriors to the top pro tour teams, racers demand the best, and Streeter Superstands builds it. Roll with the best and shop online at StreeterSuperstands.com. All right, David Cole, uh, let's talk about three events that we've got going. Three events over two weekends over essentially the next month. March the 13th, 14th, 15th, Supercarts USA kicking off their pro tour with the fourth running of the Winter Nationals, NOLA Motorsports Park, New Orleans, uh, Louisiana. It'll be the first pro tour race ever that I haven't announced, which is kind of gutting for me. <laughs> uh, same weekend conflict with the Grand Prix of St. Petersburg, uh, with the Road to Indy and the IndyCar program. So I'll be in Florida for that weekend. I uh, won't be there to announce the Winter Nationals, which sucks. Uh, but we're bringing Xander Clemens in, and Xander does a fantastic job, and he'll be the guy on the mic for this particular EKN Trackside Live program. He will be talking up a storm, a lot of races to uh, to cover on that weekend, uh, so you'll be hearing his voice 
all day long, both Saturday and Sunday, and then Friday evening when we do a, a little pre-qualifying uh, show that night. Uh, yeah, it, so now you're going to kind of understand how I feel. Now, mind you, it's good that we're missing it. You're missing a race for another race. It's, it's better that it's not something else, you know, that, that could be sure happening on in life. So again, it, you're going to a different race. So you, you kind of have that feeling I had back in 2010 during the summer nationals when you were in Shawano, Wisconsin, and I was in Newcastle for the Rotax Grand Nationals. Yeah, it's going to be, it'll be tough because I'll be busy as hell at, at St. Petersburg. I, I never really stopped there, uh, but I'll make sure I'll, I'll definitely have race monitor open to find out who's winning races and, and getting some of the broadcasts as well. Uh, two weeks after that, David, another double-double. You and I, uh, we were doing, we're at the same weekend, different tracks. We have EKN Live 1 and EKN Live 2 on the website, a couple different channels. Uh, March 27, 28, 29, I will be at Sonoma for the Sim Raceway Performance Karting Center finale of the Challenge of the Americas. Looking forward to getting out to Sonoma as well to see who wins the championship. You will be on the East Coast in Florida uh, for the United States Pro Kart Series. They're going to open up their season at Ocala Grand Prix. I'm looking forward to it. I uh, love going down to uh, to Florida, uh, going to Ocala Grand Prix, a very the bull ring of karting. Uh, very uh, exciting racing that happens there. Tight fields, uh, so you yeah. get a lot of uh, you know. Again, it's like the Bristol of of karting. You get a lot of side by side and nose to tail action. Uh, it'll be a fun weekend. Uh, I'm I'm upset that I have to miss the uh, the Challenge in America's finale again. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, the the two programs are are scheduled on the same weekend. But again, uh, we we're gonna have probably record numbers at the U.S. Pro Kart Series. Um, and then hopefully maybe record numbers again at Challenging America. So we're going to have uh, two major events on different coasts at the same weekend, uh, showing that uh, the karting is going strong right now. Yeah, the bottom line is knowing the numbers, you're probably going to get out there, probably you know up into the what one eighties, one nineties kind of thing. What's what's the record for USPKS right now? Uh, one seventy something. So in the one seventies. So. 70s, yeah. so. So let's let's say you get into the 180s or maybe even higher than that this year. It could be big, man. You could be 200 at that race. You never know. If we if we top 150, we're talking about having an, uh, at least over 300 yeah. or 320 racers racing on that weekend and some pretty big events. Yeah, right? I was going to say at least 300 drivers uh, at two major events there. So it's pretty good. That's awesome. All right, folks, that's going to cap things off. This edition of the EKN Debrief, David Cole and I giving you the full review of the second event, the rounds three and four of the Rock Cup USA Challenge of the Americas at Cal Speed Cardi. It was an awesome trip there. As I said before, we did have some fun. We smashed the burgers on Friday. That was a lot of fun. Uh, you know, all in all, we love being part of this this uh, this Challenge of the Americas program. And I think, David, you'll reiterate the fact that it's just super cool to see this this program get some growth. Uh, get some strength, get a lot of happy people leaving the racetrack. The, the racing was amazing uh, from start to finish. Uh, having strong series is good for this sport. And to see the, the to see the Challenge in America has hit that record number this weekend, I think, was absolutely massive. It was great to be part of history. I know we didn't do anything. We just kind of called the action. But uh, but it, it is cool. always cool to be part of, uh, of karting history. Big thank you to Andy Saisman and the whole crew there at FTK Full Throttle Promotions uh, to, have, again, having us as part of the Challenge of America's again this year. We look forward to doing it again in 2021. We're done for this edition of the Debrief, folks. Lots of stuff happening here on the EKN Radio Network. If you haven't downloaded the app to your phone, your mobile device, get that done. We're on iTunes, 
Google Play. You can also subscribe to us on Spotify. And you can always go to podbean.com uh, to get the results as well, or the, uh, the audio as well. And again, the link on eCardi News, eCardiNews.com slash podcast. For all the podcasts, eCardiNews.com slash radio for the only 24-7 carding radio station in the world. Again, big thanks to Andy Saisman. On behalf of David Cole, my name's Rob Howden. Bye for now. <laughs>